Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. and welcome to episode 56 of Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm Paula Jenkins, a life and career coach and the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today's show includes an interview with Tess Blankenship, who shares all about growing virtual teams and getting freelance work. First, I want to give a big welcome and thank you to everyone who's here and listening. I, I really appreciate having you guys in the audience, and I'm so excited that you are here. If you want to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on all the major podcasting syndication spots like iTunes, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Player FM. If you head on over to iTunes and look up Jumpstart Your Joy under podcasts, you can hit the subscribe button and you will receive the episodes weekly as they are released into your mobile device. While you're there, please leave a review. I love to hear from you guys and it is helpful as it gets the podcast in front of other people on iTunes. If you want to follow along with this episode, you can get the show notes over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 56, and you'll find all of the links that we talk about along with a special downloadable cheat sheet so you can follow along with all the tips that Tess and I talk about on growing your virtual team or hiring a virtual assistant. An exciting announcement, Roots and Wings, which is my new e-course that I created with Christy Tending, is open for registration. It offers a refreshing new way of looking at how to find balance in your life. Christy does just an amazing job of teaching you breathing and meditation techniques that help you recenter, and I lead you through exercises to help you define your purpose, outline your values, and define what really matters to you so that you can truly define what balance looks like for you and stop being in that reactionary mode all the time. You can find a link to the course in the sidebar of my website, Jumpstart Your Joy, or on the website, it's under the drop down, the top nav under classes. So now on to the show. In this episode, Tess and I have a lot of fun talking about process for small biz and entrepreneurs, and she shares her thoughts on when it's a good time to get help as you're growing, along with her thoughts on being an entrepreneur herself. I've got a special downloadable cheat sheet over at the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 56, if you want to grab that and refer back to it later. You'll hear that I just absolutely love nerding out about process, (laughs) so It's a different side of my own personality coming out than you guys usually see. And I love how all of it's tied back to joy. So here's the interview with Tess. So welcome to the podcast today. I have an interview with Tess Blankenship, and she is a consultant slash biz coach that helps people build virtual teams. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Tess. Super excited to be here. Yay! Super excited (laughs) to have you. So Tess, will you tell us what you loved Most as a child or in school, what were your early sparks of joy? I was thinking about this, and what I remember most is I loved doing different things. So my earliest sparks were crazy enough. I remember probably in first grade entering my cat in a cat competition. 
Oh my gosh. And now, <laughs> that That's was nothing awesome. I set out. <laughs> nothing I set out to do, you know, and I, I have a, a picture of it and I remember it well as only a first grader can hold a cat, you know, falling, halfway falling out of their arms. I'm not sure what I got the award or what the cat got the award for, but it was probably like the most fun I've had because I, you don't go out with a plan to enter a cat competition. Um, and it was just at a local park. So that was like one of my earliest things. And I always had an infatuation with horses and riding horses and owning my own horse ranch, which um, never materialized. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm a super outdoors person. So I remember as a kid loving to go camping and like exploring and making forts. I have a younger brother, so we would, you know, bring out all the the tools that you probably won't give your kids now, like the machetes of the world and and shovels. (laughs) Right, yeah. To uh, cut down things to make your fort. That's awesome, yeah. And did you grow up, um, because you're in California now, did you grow up in Southern California? My dad was in the military, so I spent a couple years in California, but I spent most of my growing up in Washington State in the Seattle area. So we were always camping, hiking, out on the water, kind of just always outside doing something. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really love the visual of entering the cat in the competition. <laughs> yeah, my best friend and I would, there was a 4th of July competition, a pet competition, and <laughs> shout out to Tammy. She entered her <laughs> guinea pig as Sally Ride the Astronaut. Like... <laughs> And one, and the poor thing was like in all this like tin foil and like I don't know like a what was it That's like awesome a awesome it had a costume. Oh yeah, this was big time. It was pretty cool. <laughs> well, my my whole cowboy was strictly just a, just a cat. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah, and I, I I love the visual of kind of the six year old holding the cat. Kid stuff is funny. So what is it that you do now, and who do you work with? So I, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm a consultant and business coach, and I help business owners essentially outsource to build, build and streamline their virtual teams of contractors. Um, sometimes it can also happen that I help them with their, essentially their process, how they do things internally and their workflow, basically how the team does the work to iron it out. So I'll work with small business owners, and then I also work with um, my consulting side, HAT, I work with larger, larger corporations. That's awesome. I'm a total process nerd. Um, I don't think I've ever shared that before. So big kickoff here on season two. (laughs) Guinea pigs and process nerds. Um, Gosh. (laughs) But um, that's really cool. So do you get to go in and work with companies or small businesses to help them like figure out where they could be more efficient? Yes. Funny enough, that's usually not the top of people's list. It usually comes from something else. So Sometimes I found I'll be working with a small business owner on performance metrics for their team. And what we find out going through the discussion is, oh, my gosh, the process really isn't as ironed out because you can't can't really work on performance without making sure your process is ironed out well. Um, Mm -hmm. So then we'll go back and we'll do some of the process dialing in. Or sometimes for corporations, we'll do look at how they'll outsource or hire out some of their work. And then second to that, they'll realize, well, if I hire out some work, I my process is kind of not efficient. So then we'll go back and really work on the process. So that mm. by the time they have 
their, their, um, their contractors hired or their company hired that's going to do the work, the process is all dialed in as well. So it's usually not where people start, right? <laughs> but they can. <laughs> so I'm happy to help them there. But there's yeah. a bigger pain point. Well, because it seems like in order to really get delegation under wraps, like you've got to know exactly what are you handing off. And it can't be this like nebulous, well, we kind of do this and then that, right? Like, but that's probably where a lot of companies are. It's so true. And usually what happens, which I think becomes a later realization is most people don't realize that it's when their process isn't tweaked and dialed in right, they're basically just handing off something that's completely inefficient to somebody else to do. So they're paying mm-hmm. somebody else to be inefficient. So, yeah. so that's sort of a big win because then you're like, oh, I can save money by making my process better. And then I won't have them doing work I don't actually need them to do. Exactly. That's that's awesome because I know places I've worked is that's that's the thing that always sets my spidey sense off is like, wait, you guys are doing this how? Like it's data. Right. So you could just move it <laughs> in this whatever. Right. Like it's often things that right. like someone has just always done it this way and then no one questions it until they realize they've got to give it to someone who isn't the person that started the thing. So true. Do you find that like, is that true more so with small business slash entrepreneurs or are big companies doing that same thing? It's just, they seem more official. It comes up a lot when small businesses are are in a big growth phase Mm. or when big businesses are, need to make a major change. It comes yeah. up in both areas where I see it a lot. Because um, it's usually like small businesses, you, you, you're you kind of adding on to your team and you're growing and then you get to a point where you're like, why? Just what you said, why are we doing it this way anymore? Mm-hmm. And you've just kind of never gone back to check your process. And then yeah. same with big corporations. You know, they so many people in the cogs that nobody's really looking at the process anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're just all about doing the work. That's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know the best way. I mean, I think hiring a consultant to come in and look at process, if someone's feeling like this doesn't, this isn't working well, is kind of a nice way. Because the thing I've seen is internally, when I've been like, bright idea, let's change this up a little bit. Sometimes it's not met with the most welcome response when it's someone internal. So I think it's really nice from a political standpoint to, and I'm saying this to you, business owners and people in, you know, companies, like, if you're thinking maybe process isn't great, maybe hire a consultant to bring in new ideas because then it's, they have that, you're giving them that permission to play with your process. Totally true. Not only the permission, but the benefit too, and, and I'm sure others see this as well, is consultants come in, they work with lots of different companies, so they have such a wide variety of background and experiences to pull from to help dial in those process. Yeah. So they may have, yeah, it, it could be, well, if I was just looking at your business, it could be one way. And then they look at five other businesses and they're like, but I've seen the best of work really well that we can. And I think there's some sort of resistance around bringing somebody like quote unquote air quotes here outsider in to do that kind of stuff. But I love that you're kind of underlining that oftentimes it's also the expertise in knowing be- true best practices because some companies are so smaller have had the same you know, the, the same folks doing the same work for so long that they don't even think that there's another way. But bringing in someone who's seen other ways is always helpful. I love more sets of eyes myself on it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. More eyes, more brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's optimize this stuff. Because people, I think the other fear, 
is that when people think, oh, well, we're going to bring in somebody and they're going to change everything, that then they're going to, whatever, change my job, work me out of a job, like, whatever it is. So I think the fear also gets, I don't know, people get hung up on that, I've sensed, when as a project manager in companies, when you're like, well, we're going to change this. And they're like, well, I have a job when we finish <laughs> this. And you're like, yeah, not only will you have a job, but you're going to get to do more of the stuff you like and less of this, like, little menial task stuff that you don't like. Exactly. Yeah, it's really just figuring out what's the most important work to do and figuring out a way to do other things with the the other parts of the work that maybe aren't, they don't need to be as meaningful and as at the top of the list. There could be other ways to do them. Yeah, the unsexy stuff, right? It finds a... Yes. <laughs> you find an automated <laughs> way to do the unsexy stuff. <laughs> I told you, process nerd. I love it. <laughs> We're just diving into your, all your fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this... <laughs> Uh, well, and I think this is a great segue to talk about some of your background because you've had several career shifts. And I think that ties into your then um, kind of umbrella view of like you've seen a lot of process probably and a lot of different inner workings of companies. So you want to talk a little bit about your background, but then also what the shift looked like for you to go into business for yourself. Sure. My background is varied and I'm just going to come right out and say I. Uh, I'm a generalist, but specialist in some areas. So I spent a ton of years um, as a litigation paralegal, and then I spent another bunch of years in marketing, product marketing. And then the last bunch of years I spent all in essentially virtual teams and outsourcing and hiring contractors. And then I moved just just about a year and a half ago into working for myself. Mm-hmm. And it, I what I found out is that each of those things was a great transition. Like I always brought a lot, I was always able to connect what I knew from one role to the next role and enrich what I was doing because I was pulling from different areas. And then when I started working for myself, the probably the three biggest things I noticed is I was, what made it work for me and working for myself is I was super comfortable with change because I changed so much in my background and I always like change. Um, I get super restless when things start to get status quo, kind of same old. So I like change. In fact, sometimes I actually say I like chaos, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is usually not the right word. Um, but I like chaos. And uh, I found that I really liked learning new things. So I like that whenever somebody starts out something new, there's a big like learning curve. I super love that steep ramp learning curve. Mm-hmm. I had I, I knew working for myself, I loved the, the change and the learning, but I also had to learn how to love deprogramming all of the corporate speak, the connection, the constant connection that you're that's required when you're in a corporate environment or working for somebody else where you're mm-hmm. always on. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, def- that's kind of what I learned. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I love what you said because so I left a corporate gig in, at the end of January and it has been kind of this slow, I don't know, it's like you kind of wake up to something new and not, not literally, but like kind of across the months where it's like, oh yeah, I don't have to do that thing that way if I don't want to because I get to decide. But it's it's almost like it, you wake up to this idea that you can question things and that you get to choose and all that. Yeah. I'm sure there's some equation like for every corporate year requires like 
double the time to deprogram yourself or something <laughs> like <Yes>. that. <laughs> well, like and to feel, yeah, well, and to feel comfortable in the space of like making your own decisions and planning the course for your own day is a new phenomenon as well. Uh, definitely. What advice would you have if somebody is looking to go solo, basically, for themselves? They've had the taste of that side project, they love it, and now they want it to be a full-time business. What kind of things would you suggest they look for? What I wish I had known is what advice I would give is to really understand kind of three things. One, for sure, if you're thinking of moving solo, and I did have a financial cushion to make sure I could make it, I it would have made me extremely uncomfortable, and I know others aren't, but financial cushion, you really have to understand, like, know whether that's a big deal for you or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the financial cushion parts that go with it, insurance, if that's a big deal, kind of how you're going to deal with that. So all the finances is one piece. The other thing that I I think I've, I've learned, and I wish, uh, I actually wish people would talk about it more, which is when you're going to business for yourself, you really have to decide if you're, going to take a slow growth path or you're going to just start jumping in and essentially kind of putting on hold a a lot of reasons you go into business for yourself, which is your personal life to make your business move faster. Um, I think a lot of people go into into business for themselves. They're like, oh, great. My business will be cooking along. I can like take vacations with my family and go work half time and be at the beach for half my day and not realizing that a lot of people that, that have that are at that point decided that they were going to grow fast and mm-hmm. made an investment to grow fast. Or if you're going to grow slow, you just say, great, I know my business isn't going to grow as fast as I'd like it to maybe, or I'm not going to start making as much money as I'd like it to, but I'm going to have all the other things that I wanted. Yeah. So that whole grow slow or invest to grow fast is I think one of the things that I wish I had known and if you can wrap your head around how you want to grow your business, going from side gig to full time, that's kind of one of the part is if you have time or resources, like either have time or money. So if you if you have those things, like like if you really know those things about yourself and what you have, then it'll help you like go from side gig to to full time, if, if and kind of how long it'll take you to do that. I love that you're underscoring here that there is that there's that kind of give and take because a lot of people want to be location independent, right? And I think this is a true statement. Unless you are really willing to put some of the other things in your life on hold for a little while to get to big to be big enough to support that, it's it, it's not an immediate. You're not going to probably quit your job and then be able to go to Belize and you know, (laughs) work from a Airbnb place all day or something like there's a huge, there's a gap there. That's, I mean, you could slowly grow your business before you leave a a corporate gig, but I think there's a lot of myth out there about the six figures in six months or six figures in six weeks. Like, I feel like that timeline's collapsing quickly in what people are promising. I think it would be hard. It would be very hard to get there in a short amount of time. Totally true. And I have to, okay. So I have to take a little side tangent here on the six figures coming from my yes, perspective of outsourcing <laughs> contractors. Yes. So it's, again, one of those things that people don't talk about, but there's all these six-figure whatever. You're going to grow oh, six know. figures. I made six figures, whatever it is. But what you'll notice that no one ever talks about is how much money they've invested or their expenses 
they could be actually profiting like five dollars, mm-hmm. even though they've taken in six figures, just because they've essentially have their expenses to get to that six figures is so high that their profit is really low. But nobody talks about the expense side. <laughs> I'm so glad. You, no, I'm so glad you spoke into it, Jordana Jaffe and. People can go to the show notes to look for the link for that episode. She also talks about it in that I think she shared a story somewhere around the lines of, you know, there was the time that she invested a large amount of money and then made, you know, I don't know, I'm throwing out numbers, but these were probably not correct. I'm sorry about that. But like she invested 25000 to make thirty, which she's right. like, so, but really then the net is really just... 5,000, right? Like you, you right. can't claim you made 30. And maybe she was using that as an example, but I think she, you know, was saying we all need to start to be careful of like, it's really, if you can invest less and make that amount, well, that's impressive. But yeah, people that are claiming they've made 30 when investing 25, that's not good. Right, right. Yeah. Or you invest your 25, say, and it takes you, but it's a long-term investment. So maybe you right. make six figures over the next year. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think we all, I think the other thing I'm hearing from you too, it's like, we all just need to let go of six figure, you know, (laughs) phenomenon. Like who cares? I mean, yeah, it's a lot of money. It's great. But like, I think there's also that, I mean, for me, it's more about sustainability. Like, is this business going to sustain one first big milestone itself? And then two, for me, can I pay the mortgage? That'll be the next big one. It, right. um, Heads up, I'm not there yet, folks. <laughs> Reality like, I need a roof over your head. Yeah, roof over your head. And then it gets to the point where it's replacing the income that you made. And I, and I think it's important to note that you probably won't be able to replace the income you were making in a corporate gig for a little while after you make the leap. Totally true. Agree with you 100%. <laughs> yes. We're laying down the truth here on the podcast today. <laughs> No, but I think it's better to talk about it up front because I think there's this myth. And I mean, even when I made the leap, I don't know that I wanted to believe it, right? Like that it would be as sometimes as hard as it is. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Did you have another piece of advice about going solo that you wanted to add? You know, I'm going to just put one other piece just because I have one other piece of advice, which is think about multiple, multiple ways that you might go solo. So if you're just freelancing, that's one way. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're freelancing like the Paul Jarvis's of the world and you're also doing course content. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think it's really tough when you, without thinking about multiple ways to make money, it's really tough when you start to have a break in one of your, yes. one of your paths. Yeah. <laughs> like when one stream is a little bit thin, <laughs> like, yes. it's nice to have something else that maybe could bolster the income flow for that period of time. Yeah. Totally true. And I think you'll hear a lot of people when they start talking about, hey, how do you make money? Very rarely do you hear someone say like, oh, I just make money like this one way. So that's my other piece of advice. And it's not like you need to make multiple businesses, but it could be like right. you're adding on affiliate, completely evergreen content that people can download or, or something else. Yeah. To kind of spread it out a little bit further. I think that is another good piece of advice. Yeah. So when people are getting into that place where, so they've got the business a little while in, they've they've reached the milestones of being sustainable, paying their mortgage, and now they can afford someone to come on board. First, is there a myth in that, that you should wait until you're completely at a certain point in your business to bring on virtual help? 
or a virtual team. Maybe we could we could stop there and explore that question a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so um, here's where I would think that um, as business owners, you should think about investing before you start saying a profit or thinking about where you might want to hire out work before you start seeing a profit from your business. And a couple of them are, um, one of the biggest things I run into is there's kind of a, a misconception about how much things cost. Yeah. Um, number one. So I'd say like, make sure before you say like, oh, I can't afford something, you actually know what it costs. But sometimes it's pretty inexpensive and I'll use a super simple example. So for the longest time, like I have never hired out any housework for myself ever in my life. Cause I'm like, I can do it. I, you know, was cleaning a house, big deal. Mm-hmm. So for the first time I hired it out and I was like, you know, looking around at the cost. And then when I finally did it, I'm like, really, that's it. That's all there is. <laughs> and it looks like, like I'm like, that's what was so painless and so much less costly than I thought it would be. It's something I could afford maybe twice a year. Yeah. So, once I actually looked at the cost and started doing a little homework and, you know, asking friends for referrals and you're just like, wow, I'm not sure why I waited so long to take so much stress out of my life from one simple small decision that wasn't, mm. I didn't have to save up a mortgage payment to do it kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, and isn't there, there's something emotional. I mean, I'm thinking, so my example of something similar is I have an editor for the podcast. Hi, Wayne. And um, it was another thing where it was like, what's both the value that he offers uh, versus my own time, right? Like, right. (laughs) It takes me a long time to edit. I'm not fast at it. And I love that he can take it for me. But there's also the emotional side. I don't know if you found that in the housework or the, you know, house cleaning example, but like really putting the trust in someone else that they can, they can take it and that you don't have to be the one doing it. That was a huge emotional relief, and and I'll say like my recent emotional relief was you know I've hired hired a website designer a huge weight and like sheer joy of of you know when somebody else does something that yes you might be able to do yourself but you've just gained like light years back in your life to do other things whether they're personal or for your business such a relief a, a very emotional relief as well. Yeah, I found it to be when I know when I know Wayne's got the podcast, I almost feel like, yeah, there's like a relief and like, I don't know, such a serenity about it. Like, hey, I know he's got it. It's going to come back. It's going to be ready. And I'm so glad that I can trust him with it. It's a definite like relief, like one thing off your list that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love what you're saying, too, that it's before you even make a profit that sometimes it's wise to invest because... I think it was even, maybe it was Chris Nations who was uh, season one, but she was talking about how there are things that only she can do and she needs to keep, she needs to keep those on her plate, but then the rest of it to start looking to get other people to help is, is like a great way to then extend what she can do and only she can do. And that's so true. And, and then it's just, then you know that you can only do it. So it makes sense for you to invest your time to do it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So where would you think most people could find some of this this sweet relief? (laughs) And like, where would be some of the tasks that you've seen small business slash entrepreneurs start to hire out for kind of in that, like before they, maybe before they even think they can afford it or are ready for it? The biggest ones I've seen that become um, 
So one of the other reasons people hire out is it becomes just such a roadblock, they can't move forward. So one of the biggest areas I see is um, technology. And usually it stops right at the website. People who are just, technology is not their friend, they hate it. (laughs) It becomes such a big roadblock to moving their business forward that hiring out website work, the design and getting just a basic website set up, even if it's just a landing page sometimes for an investment, that can be a huge relief. So I've seen what, so the top things I've seen, so if it's like a roadblock, definitely people are investing in it, wherever their roadblock is, whether it's technology, I see copywriting come up a lot. And right after that, usually if it's like, hey, I've got my copywriting, I can manage a website, I can at least make it look okay and be comfortable with it. The next thing I see come up is more of the virtual assistant type of tasks, which is a great place to start. Like you're using not necessarily a virtual assistant, but because virtual assistant is such a catch-all word. But the the smaller, very specific tasks, editing, bookkeeping, I've seen a lot of that. Even just managing incoming email, if you're if you're getting a lot of incoming email, just figuring out like, I need someone just to look at my inbox and start telling me, forwarding things or flagging things that I need to look at or setting up auto things that they can respond to. Research, online research, another big area I've seen. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a good thing to point out too, that even something that feels, I mean, to me, my gut reaction might be, but when I'm researching, it's the stuff that would interest me, but there's no reason somebody couldn't get you a one sheet back with kind of top level stuff that helps explain or even gives you links to a few articles that like, no, you don't have, you don't have to be a part of that. You could do the next layer, but getting your, exactly the lay of the land on the topic. Yeah. That could be, I mean, virtually anyone. So I'm going to throw out a number just because I think it helps people. So, yeah. And I'm I'm a number of data kind of person. Like tasks like that, just for anyone that's, interested. Like if you're asking someone to do online research, it can be, and people are very sensitive to keeping things in the U.S. So even U.S., you can get prices somewhere in the neighborhood of $15 to $20 an hour for online research, just as a starting point. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely it can go up from there and there's all types of tasks. You know, if someone's writing a blog post, that could be in the neighborhood of $40 to $50 for 500 words. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people are saying like, oh, I need somebody to write a blog post for me. Yeah, especially like if, if you're a small business and you're looking to put out content that is not, again, dependent on the person or the personality. I would think that there's some places where having someone create your blog content makes a lot of sense. And then other people, I mean, their their blog is their is their personality and their brand is them, right? So then maybe they don't have totally somebody true. else write it. Yeah. But even then, maybe you could challenge yourself, like, is there the basis that somebody else could write? And then you come in and kind of sprinkle your own language through it. Like, I I would think there's ways to leverage help and still have it be you. Yeah, first draft of anything are a great way to leverage help. If you don't have to do the first draft and you have somebody else do it, like first pass at research, first draft of writing... Mm -hmm. Huge, like that whole blank page seems it's one of the biggest roadblocks ever. I think that's a great point because, yeah, that does. Staring at that blank page, that will just zap your time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you brought up kind of the idea of of pricing because, yeah, $15 to $20 an hour does not seem scary. That seems like a doable cost. And it's true. And sometimes if you think about hiring it out, but then you make a plan for what you do with that time, 
it kind of yeah. offset, it, it kind of changes your thinking about how you're spending. Like, yes, I'm spending $50 for that hour, but in that hour, I'm going to make two pitches right. or I'm going to make five product photos or something. If you have a concrete plan, like you plan what to send out to, and hire out, but then if you make a plan for what you're going to do with your time, not like, well, I'm going to catch up on Netflix, then you'll feel better too about the money that you're spending. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Because then it's almost like you're hitting a multiplier. Like if you were paying 50 for the hour, but you sent out two or three pitches and got some new business, well then, yeah, it just paid for itself completely and then some. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, if somebody wanted to become a freelancer or a contractor, what would you recommend to them? Because I know, and this kind of ties back to if you're looking to go with your side gig, but you want to supplement your income for a little while as maybe doing something you're already doing as a day job, like how would someone make that change over to freelance slash contractor? I would say then making that change if you're, if you're continuing to do what you're doing in your day job. It's um, getting the word out and kind of getting those first projects in. Like, do you have do you have a network or, and I use the network very loosely here, do you mm-hmm. have friends, people that you know who would need your services? I'll tell you, that's probably the hardest thing going from kind of building out that freelance side gig contractor mm-hmm. is getting visible to people who might have work for you. Part of the first step is sending out those usually initially scary emails hey, I've got extra time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking for extra projects. Let me know. Here's here's what I do. Here's what I can do for you. And seeing if you can get some responses. And, and I use network, again, loosely, but all those people that you know, your people that you've worked with, people that you've hired, maybe at your office, not to create a conflict of interest, people who you have a relationship with anyways, Mm-hmm. Letting you know you're available and building out that financial cushion, getting those great referrals and people saying, oh, my God, your work is amazing. I have to tell so-and-so. And I will say, too, kind of in that loose definition of network, I think that that's really key. And I, I don't think we can underline enough like how critical it is. As an example, I was coming back from maternity leave and really didn't want to go back to the same job I'd had before, partly because the commute was going to be awful. And so I very casually said to actually somebody who was a great, like a close friend, I'm like, hey, do you know of anybody looking for a project manager? That's what I did at the time. Would you believe it? He was like, well, yeah, actually, because he was the head of a project management department, just so happens. Well, yeah, one of our people is going out on maternity leave and we could really use someone to fill in for three months. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, what? In the- so, I mean, you just really never know. Like, that wouldn't have been someone that I would think would need somebody because I knew his roster was full. So, I mean, it might just be asking enough people at the right time that you're going to hit you're going to hit payload at some point. Like, and it's just putting yourself out there a little bit. It doesn't take long. That was over lunch or something. And I was like, hey, Kevin. So, Yeah. <laughs> It's totally true, and you never know. And you did something so great. You were so specific in what your request was that it helps people say, like, yeah, I know somebody. But if it's like, hey, I'm looking for a job, and you're like, well, I don't really know what you're looking for. Exactly. <laughs> able yeah. to help you. That is a really good point. So, yeah, when you send out that email to a few people, be clear on what it is that you want to do and where you could add value, not to use corporate speak too much, but like where, where's the sweet spot that you want to play in? Because otherwise, yeah, it's too vague and people don't know what to do with the request or the information. So that's, that's cool. Thank you. I think that's so helpful because I think a lot of people 
they think, oh, it would be nice and I could continue to use this skill set I have, even though I'm going after something kind of new. But then kind of how do you get in there and ask? It's Yeah, that seems daunting. It still does to me sometimes. <laughs> it does. And I'll, I've been really surprised. Like, I know we were talking about, you know, offering kind of building out your side gig for money. But yeah. I've even seen people have really good success. Okay, granted, you don't want to do this forever. But offering to do projects in more of a free way, like, hey, I just want to build out. I want to get my feet wet. I want to mm-hmm. try out and do it for you. Like they'll build somebody a website or they'll do their social media management to kind of just get a little bit under their belt and work with somebody else, even though they're doing it for free, just because they're like heading out a new door. I want to offer this, but I need to make sure I love it. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of of like advice. And then there's the testimonial, frankly, that could come from that where you've done great work and they appreciate you. And then really the referral there option is amazing as well, that that doesn't, you know, don't be afraid to ask for both when you, when you finished up a free gig, like, yeah, that's, I think that's a great place and a great way to, to then extend the business. You could see it as an investment, both in yourself, but also in the, you know, the paying it forward way. Totally agree. Yeah. That's, that's definitely worth, worth all the time and effort. What do you think would surprise most people about kind of the work that you do in, in this, in the consulting and virtual team building business? I, I think two things. One is hiring out a virtual team of contractors or hiring out contractors surprisingly takes as much work as if you were hiring empl- employees that would work in a physical location. Mm-hmm. Like you want to spend the right amount of time to get the right person just as you would hire a regular employee. Otherwise, you'll end up firing them later, letting them go, and having to go through the whole process again. Yeah. And the other surprise, I would say, surprising things that I don't know if most people realize um, about what I do or, or outsourcing and building teams is that I think it's really fun. I get to help um, businesses both save money and work on increasing their revenue. So for me, it's like making money and saving money, <laughs> the best of all worlds. So that's that's kind of the fun surprise that I don't think is obvious. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, I, that would be neat. I would also love the matchmaking. Like not that I'm a matchmaker, but kind of like finding the right people for the right job and piecing it all together. Like I think that would be. That, I think that, that would be is, fun. <laughs> you know, that's that is fun, and it's been been interesting because you meet so many interesting people and um, you, you find out pretty quick who's, who's a good fit and who's not a good fit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I understand what you mean and kind of having from hired people back in the corporate world, like, yeah, yeah. people make it clear pretty quickly what the, what they're, uh, whatever, yeah. what they're made of, I guess. <laughs> Well, we're rounding the corner here on some of the last questions. And I, I mean, I hate to wrap it up because like a process nerd has come alive and I'm like, yes, let's talk about all the stuff. So where would, if somebody's like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in. If people have a skill set that I'm happy to basically take information from people who have specific skill sets mm-hmm. that may, where a matchmaking situation may come up and clients may ask me for it and it, and it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also my my first love is just helping businesses do that outsourcing or right. work on performance metrics for their team. Right. 
So it sounds like if somebody was either a small business or a larger business and they know they're looking for a specific virtual resource and or you're someone who might be of a skill set that would make sense to be virtual, then yeah. where, would, where, where would people find you? Best place to find me is on my website, test the T is in tiger, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, testblankenship.com. Awesome. And I will link up to that in the show notes as well. So as we get into the last couple questions, what would you say balance looks like in your, in your life? How would you define balance? Balance is a everyday thing mm. um, for me. And it's, it's something that I struggle. I think about it a lot. I get frustrated with it a lot because there's always the expectation that balance is like, oh, you have everything you want with your family, you have everything you want with your business, and it never quite works out that way. Mm-hmm. So balance for me is just being able to day by day manage and enjoy both parts of my life, both the business part of my life and the family part of my life. Oh, mm-hmm. and there is, I try and carve out time for myself too. Yeah. And I love that you're kind of underscoring that too with this idea that it is balance. It's a practice. It's a balancing act even. Like it's, (laughs) you can't sustain one side of it always forever. And thank you for saying that it's a practice because it, that is the one thing I found is that I, not constantly, but I have to reevaluate often or, you know, every couple months, like what's working, what's not working. What do I need to like change? Am I spending too much time here? Am I not doing something here and then I just kind of go back and like oh I do need time for that extra cup of coffee in the morning (laughs) Mm -hmm. quiet alone in the dark if I need to (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree last and most joyfully what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life in the world or in other people's lives so for me or for anyone else and where you spend any amount of time working from home, being at home, get out of your house. My biggest way to find joy is whether it's walking in my backyard, (laughs) just leaving the confines of the indoors Mm -hmm. uh, is one of my best ways to find joy for myself and for anyone else. I love to hang out. One of the biggest, funniest, probably oddest joys of my life is I am the carpool pickup mom for middle schoolers. And I can't tell you how entertaining that is. It completely changes my day. (laughs) You hear giggles and laughter and drama and all the things you thought that were stressful about my day are absolutely nothing (laughs) compared to a middle schooler's day. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And the third thing I would say is just uh, kind of just bringing joy to anyone else's is I love sending surprise snail mail. Mm, yeah. Um, I love getting snail mail. So sometimes I'll send it to someone in my family or someone I haven't talked to in a while. And it's usually not a long, long note. <laughs> but I mm-hmm. just like, I like getting it. So I love to send snail mail. I love it. Yeah. And I think there's something, there's such a present moment thing with both the carpool and the snail mail is it's like, it's that remembering to kind of drop into something that's real and present and and delight in those connections. Like, I love both those so much. Thank you. It's uh, It brings light to my day, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Tess. I'm so excited <laughs> to have had you on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. 
I love talking with you and um, it's so fun to be here. Thank you so much for being on the show, Tess. It was really a joy having you here. To get all of the links, to get in touch with Tess, or to find out more, head on over to the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 56. You can also get that downloadable cheat sheet to refer back to with some of the details around how and when to hire freelancers and some of the goodies that Tess and I share in the episode. If you're curious about adding more balance to your life and you're ready to commit to making a change, you can also check out the Roots and Wings course on my website. That's from the drop down under classes or on the right hand side of the page in the sidebar. Christy and I have over 20 audio modules, journaling pages and fun bonuses like wallpapers and playlists in the class. And I know we're gonna pepper you guys with so many more goodies as we go along. And we'll be doing three live class calls with the participants to offer live coaching and work through some of the teaching materials. So next week on the podcast, in episode 57, I will be turning the tables and sharing about what and sharing about what failure has taught me about balance and how acceptance has led to greater joy in my life. It's an interesting reframe on what happens when things don't go just as we planned. <laughs> I hope you guys will come on back for that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.